From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, January 20th. Coming up this hour. Google cuts its workforce by 6%, slashing 12,000 jobs. Netflix shares rally as subscriber growth beats estimates. The U.S. hits the debt ceiling. Now the debate over what to do about it begins. And more Fed officials call for higher rates, even as inflation eases. I'm Amy Morris of federal court orders Donald Trump to pay a million dollars for a bogus lawsuit. And New York State revenue new tops estimates by billions of dollars. I'm John Stanshower in sports. The Nets slump continued with a loss in Phoenix. The Rangers lost to the Bruins. The Devils and Islanders both lost in overtime. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Here are the stories we're following today. Karen, let's begin with breaking news out of Silicon Valley. One of the most notable names in tech is announcing big job cuts. Bloomberg's Steve Rappaport joins us live with the latest. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Google is the latest player caught in the wave of pink slips crashing down on the tech industry. Parent company Alphabet announcing it will cut 12,000 jobs, about 6% of the global workforce. CEO Sundar Puchai in an email to employees took full responsibility for the decision, adding these are important moments to sharpen focus. Rival Amazon, Meta, and Microsoft recently cut thousands of jobs as big tech players brace for a prolonged drop in demand. Until now, Google was one of the few to avoid implementing major layoffs. Live in New York, I'm Steve Rappaport, Bloomberg Daybreak. We turn to the markets now. In U.S. futures, our little change this Friday morning. We're closing out a week that saw the S&P 500 fall for three straight sessions thanks to weak economic data. Hank Smith is chief investment officer at Haverford Trust. I think there is a chance that the uh, S&P 500 gets a lower low than the uh, October 22 uh, low. But our view is it's likely that we're going to have a recession, but it's equally as likely that it's going to be mild and brief. Haverford Trust Hank Smith says a key thing to watch today is the mass expiration of options. It's set to be the biggest January event in a decade. Well, one bright spot in stocks this morning, Karen, is Netflix. That company reported earnings late yesterday that outperformed estimates. And we get the latest live with Bloomberg's John Tucker. Good morning, John. Good morning, Nathan. The streaming giant adding 7.7 million new subscribers in the fourth quarter. That beat forecast. New content brought in more viewers. The series Wednesday, an Adams Family spinoff, was the company's third most popular series ever, while well, the documentary Harry and Meghan was also a hit. 
Netflix also had its own drama in the boardroom. The co-founder, Reed Hastings, is stepping aside. The CEO post now being filled by his two longtime associates, Ted Sarandos and Greg Peters. Shares are up over 5% pre-market. Last year, the company saw more than a third of its value wiped out after poor showing in the first quarter. Live in New York, I'm John Tucker, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, John, thank you. Well, on the economic front, we are seeing more Fed officials call for high interest rates. That's despite signs inflation is cooling. Here's Federal Reserve Bank of New York President John Williams. Although we're seeing some signs that inflation is moderating, it remains far too high. And it is my number one concern going into 2023. And that sentiment from John Williams was also echoed by the vice chair of the Federal Reserve, Lyle Brainerd. Inflation? has uh, declined uh, in recent months, but inflation is very high. And it's going to take time and resolve to get it back 60%. And Vice Chair Lyle Brainerd did not explicitly state a preference for the size of the Fed's next rate hike. Traders are currently pricing in a quarter point increase, the lowest yet in the central bank's current hiking cycle. Now we're wrapping up the final day of the World Economic Forum today, Karen. And one message is becoming clear at Davos. Finance executives say they now see reasons to be upbeat. We caught up with Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan. In the U.S., um, our, our research team, which is the best in the business, has a mild recession predicted sort of mid this year into next year. They push that out. And so why they keep pushing out, it's the strength of the U.S. consumer. They have the Fed getting over, you know, five, uh, five percent, five and a quarter. Just this week, they moved that to three twenty-five basis point rate rise as opposed to 50. Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan spoke with Bloomberg's David Weston in Davos. He joins Morgan Stanley's James Gorman and Citigroup's Jane Frazier with signs of cautious optimism. Well, speaking of Wall Street CEOs, Nathan, J.P. Morgan Chase is out with fresh details on Jamie Dimon's pay. The bank is keeping the CEO's total compensation unchanged. He'll get $34.5 million for his work in 2022. It's a year where the firm's profit fell by almost a quarter, and J.P. Morgan stock notched its worst annual performance in more than a decade. Google's parent company Alphabet announced it will slash 12,000 jobs, more than 6% of its global workforce, becoming the latest tech giant to uh, rein things in after years of abundant growth and hiring. Let's bring in Alex Webb for more on this, Bloomberg Quick Take correspondent. Alex, good morning. A number like 6% when it comes to the workforce certainly gets your attention, though. Uh, Put this into context for us. What does this come after? It comes after a lot of job cuts across the rest of the industry, and actually 12,000 at Google seems like it's less than the 18,000 at Amazon, but 6% is a far higher proportion of the workforce being cut than is happening at Amazon. And of course, Google, you know, it is basically an advertising technology business. As we know, during uh, economic turbulence, the first thing that companies tend to cut is their marketing budget, and Google is feeling the the pain of of that. You know, there's a massive slowdown in in growth anticipated. So uh, the job cuts, they did not expand as quickly as some of their competitors, and the revenue per employee, which is a pretty good gauge of whether they have grown headcount more quickly than they could grow revenue has continued to trend upwards, which you can't say certainly for Amazon, but there is a certain course correction going on here for sure. Is this a course correction that comes after overspending during the pandemic? Um, I, I think probably it's anticipating too much growth coming forward, going forward, right? There was a lot of spending, actually, that got kind of front-loaded during the pandemic, both in terms of cloud and in terms of consumer spending. You know, the people... Um, 
you know, as they got bailout checks, there were a lot of people, not everyone, a lot of people who had more disposable income. That is absolutely not the case right now for the vast majority of people. And so as their spending goes down, so does the, uh, so does the advertising spend and Google gets the knock-on effect of that. So this uh, adds on to the uh, spending cuts that we're seeing across the uh, big tech industry. We've heard from a number of analysts, uh, some contrarian views, thinking that uh, the the, uh, traditional FANG stocks might be something of a buy at this point. But what does this say when we see these kinds of cuts coming about the uh, overall trajectory uh, for the tech space? I I think, you know, there is a question of whether they are still growth stocks. But as ever with growth stocks, you know, the anticipation has long been that at a certain point, if they wanted to, they could pivot to becoming more value. And maybe, maybe that is what this pivot is. You know, they're still generating huge amounts of cash. The, the likes uh, of Google, you know, it's still, it is now trading um, at uh, far less of a, a premium to the, to, the, to the market than it was, you know, certainly even a year ago. I think it's now trading a discount to the broader market. Um, that may provide an opportunity uh, uh, that some people may see an opportunity there, but it's by no means a sure thing. Thanks, Alex. Great to have you on with us, particularly on the breaking news. Alex Webb of Bloomberg Quick Take on Google, cutting 12,000 jobs across its global workforce. Looking at the shares this morning, they're moving higher off the back of that headline, up uh, nearly 1.6% in early trading. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum, powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. It is... 40 degrees in Central Park. Clouds, breeze today, maybe a lingering shower. We'll get into the upper 40s. It'll turn partly cloudy tonight with a low near 35. Time now to take a look at some of the other stories making news in New York and around the world. Good morning, Amy Morris. Uh, Good morning, Nathan Hager. A federal judge has ruled Donald Trump has to pay nearly a billion dollars for filing a bogus lawsuit. The judge says the suit against Hillary Clinton and dozens of the former president's perceived political enemies was, quote, brought in bad faith for an improper purpose. The New York Times reports the ruling was the latest setback for Trump, who also faces a broad range of legal problems and criminal investigations, and his lawyers are increasingly under scrutiny themselves for their actions in those cases. New York State has collected $7.7 billion more in taxes in the first nine months of the fiscal year than forecast. State Comptroller Thomas DiNapoli says much of that was from personal income tax collections and that the tax collections are exceeding expectations. But that concerns of an economic downturn create uncertainty, a slowdown on Wall Street, lower banker bonuses and a potential recession could upend the state's finances. New York Governor Kathy Hochul wants to bring one Buffalo Bills player to New York City. The governor was at an event in East Harlem when she talked with Damar Hamlin. She says he wants to use the gift of his story to inspire others. And I said, you can be a great voice to join with me in letting young people know that through sports or music and culture and dance at places like this, they can have a better outcome. So so I'm going to get him up here. Don't know when. 
Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest on the field during a primetime game between the Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. He tweeted later that he is excited to see how their future collaborations will help. Nassau County officials are pinpointing the source of an increase in overdoses over the past week. Police and health officials say many of the recent overdoses are linked to counterfeit prescription pills or pressies. The pills that are being circulated may contain fentanyl and could be deadly. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Amy Morris. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. All right, Amy, thank you. Time now for our Bloomberg Sports Update, brought to you by Tri-State Audi. For that, we bring in John Stashauer. All right, Nathan, thanks. The Giants later today hit the turnpike heading south. Playoff game tomorrow night with their division rivals. Giants have lost their last nine games that they have played in Philadelphia. The Giants quarterback is Daniel Jones. Every game's different. You know, I think uh, we'll approach this uh, like we would any other game. But but they're a good, good team. It's a good environment. Uh, they bring a lot of energy. Fans are passionate. Um, but like any road game, we'll prepare for that and be able to, uh, you know, handle that. Um, as part of the game. The Eagles, top seeds in the NFC, beat the Giants twice this year. They had a bye last week's fifth-ever playoff game between the two teams, and they both won twice. Sunday in the NFC, it's Dallas at San Francisco. We'll see how Brett Maher kicks for the Cowboys, coming off four missed extra points. The Cowboys did sign another kicker, but they say Maher made all his kicks yesterday in practice. A blow to the Knicks. Center Mitchell Robinson, key player with his defense and rebound. He's got a broken thumb, likely to miss a month. Knicks played tonight in Atlanta. The Nets were in Phoenix. The Suns led by 20 in the third quarter, then held on. 117 to 112, and the Nets are 0-4 since the Kevin Durant injury. At the Garden, Rangers didn't score until late. They lost to the Bruins, who have the best record in the NHL. 3-1. Devils lost in overtime at Seattle, 4-3. And the Islanders, a 3-2 overtime loss in Buffalo as the Sabres scored 12 seconds into OT. College Hoops, the Rutgers lost at Michigan State, 70-57. to The ex-Yankee closer, our oldest Chapman, signed with Kansas City. Coco Goff into the third round, or fourth round at the Australian Open. Anz Jabur, second seed on the women's side, lost her match. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Live from coast to coast, from New York to San Francisco, Boston to Washington, D.C., nationwide on Sirius XM, the Bloomberg Business App, and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager, and we want to take you back to Davos now to bring you our interview with Senator Joe Manchin, the Democrat from West Virginia. He spoke with Bloomberg's David Weston about his call for a bipartisan solution to avert a government default that threatens to jolt global markets. Manchin also addressed questions about his plans for re-election next year. Let's listen into that conversation now. We will pay our debts. We always have. We always will. How message is going to get getting from point A to point B, we don't know yet. But I'd like to see, really, truly, a, a coalition of a bipartisan, bicameral, Democrats and Republicans, putting a group together that says we're going to look at all the trust funds to find out there are the deficiencies, when they're going to be insolvent, and what we can do to prevent that. And then, basically, have a piece of legislation that we're saying, okay, we will make this deal, we'll raise the debt ceiling if you allow us to have give the American public a look of what we're dealing with and the recommendations we'll make and have a vote on the floor. Whether it goes up or not, but at least it identifies. It's serious. And the same thing with the 31 plus trillion dollars of debt. 
So that sounds a little bit like some commissions we've seen in the past, like on well, base closings and on Social Security. Where are you on that? Are you starting to put that together? Are there well, real I'm prospects? Just, I'm just throwing it out to make people. My dear friend, Mitt Romney, yeah. has been working on the Trust Act. I joined him on that. I think it's, it's tremendous to identify that we've got Social Security, Medicare. We've got the Highway Trust. He's been very good in leading that. And we talked about, you remember the old uh, uh, the, uh, no, uh, Bowles uh, Simpson? Sure. Let's look at a hybrid of something that we're going to have to agree that we have a tremendous amount of debt that we're writing checks our kids can't cash. So if you want to have concerns about should we or should we not, absolutely, we should, we should pay our debts. Should we allow them to grow disproportionately to where we have more trouble every year coming to that conclusion to pay the debts when we could have done something? Kevin McCarthy, it's a wonderful opportunity for him to say, listen, let's act like adults. We've got a debt whose fault we're all at fault. How do we fix it together? And move forward. Well, that sounds like eminently good sense to me. Do you have time? Because we've heard from Janet Yellen already; she's taking extraordinary measures. Yeah. There's a speculation about June, July. We're going to actually run out of the money. Do you have time to get all of that accomplished you just described well, not, before not, the debt? We're not talking about bills. We're talking about basically a framework right. to bring a bill to the floor within a 90-day period. If we agree, yes, we're going to target that. We'll target the trust. Make sure that we know what we're dealing with. Uh, we're going to target basically the debt and increasing of the debt to how we can basically prevent that from continuing to increase as it does and start a downward trend. And there has to be some discipline and there has to be some sacrifice. What about strings attached to an increase in the debt ceiling? Along the lines you're saying, saying that we don't have time to get all the work done, get all the approvals through, but we want a commitment that we are going to go on the path you're describing right now. Well, if you well, we're not to, increase if, the debt if you come there and say we're going to cut military, we're going to cut Social Security and, and all the different safety things, you have to have your military for the defense we have in a geopolitical unrest. You're not going to leave senior citizens who've worked and paid into it stranded. So quit talking and scaring the bejesus out of people. Find a path that works. And you can't do it just, okay, here's what you gotta do. If you do this, then I'll vote for it. If you don't do this, I'm gonna vote against it. I'm not gonna hold hostage. I wanna get a, a reasonable approach to find something that has long lasting uh, and has results long-lasting results. What about the White House? What about President Biden? Think, because they're I, so far as saying we're not going to even negotiate. I'm not sure how that works Right exactly. now what he's saying on negotiation, he don't, he's not, I don't blame him. They don't be held hostage. They shouldn't be held hostage. You can't, help, you can't hold the good faith of the greatest economy in the world hostage by saying we're going to destroy your credit ratings with the rest of the world and, and how they think about our country, how they invest or buy our bonds and, and, and things of that sort. That, that's something that can happen. It was done in 2011, 2013. It didn't work out well. Mm. Why would they try it again? But there's an awful lot of leverage to do something very, very constructive that'll be productive. Mitt Romney, are there others that are willing to join I think this? there is. I think there's a, there's, there's a growing amount of people that would like to say, okay, how do we fix this? I don't know until I get Democrats and Republicans who are like-minded to put the country before the party. But if you're just thinking, well, let me see, if we don't fix this, I can blame you for that. And if you're a D or an R, you're blaming one side or the other. So you're not looking for solutions. You're looking at basically to create more chaos within the political. And that's not what we need right now. And I'm hoping that Kevin, I'm, 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 I don't think I can tell Kevin McCarthy right now, whatever I can do to help you and work with you, I want you to succeed. 2024 is going to be an election. Uh, you're it's a be, wild one. <laughs> <laughs> Are you up for another term as a that Democrat? I really haven't made that decision. I really haven't. I'm, I'm so engaged basically in trying to bring this country together, to unite the country to where people aren't afraid to say, 
Hey, Dave, that makes sense. I'm going to work with you on that. Yeah. Might be the opposite party. They're almost afraid to have a conversation. Yeah. It used to be, uh, it used to be guilt by uh, uh, by association. Right now, it's guilt by conversation. <laughs> That's awful. Yeah. So we've got to, we've got to bring this back. This is Bloomberg Daybreak today. Your morning brief on the stories making news from Wall Street to Washington and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed at 6 a.m. Eastern each morning on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning starting at 5 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast-to-coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.